Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Football Fanatics. My name's Andy, and I'm here with Ben in LA. Hi, Ben. Hello. And I'm here with Gary in London. Hi, Gary. Hello. And I'm here in San Francisco on what is a uniquely rainy day here, so uh, interesting times all around. Um, we're going to kick off with the football moment of the week, and Ben, I think we're going to come to you first for this. Yeah, so my football moment of the week comes from the West Ham-Chelsea game. I uh, don't know if you guys saw the, saw the game, but um, veteran goalkeeper David Martin, who I think is 33 years old, made his uh, Premier League debut. And it was a pretty touching moment after the game. Obviously, West Ham won. He kept a clean sheet. Yeah, he kind of like broke down in tears having made his debut at, at 33. I think his dad was uh, a, kind of a West Ham legend, uh, played for them for 20 years um, as a defender. So I thought that was a really cool, touching moment. Um, and also that he displaced Roberto, who I saw, I saw Roberto described online as um, your, your, your mate in five-a-side, who's a striker who has to go and goal, but lets in goal, so yes, he can get, he can get out of it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Roberto, truly awful goalkeeper. So it was, it was good to see uh, uh, David Martin uh, get his debut at uh, old age and... Uh, Hopefully he continues and keeps doing well. I, I like the uh, the rapturous round of applause when he made his first save. It was just a routine save, but the West Ham fans just went absolutely nuts. So it was it was clear what they uh, what they felt about it. Yeah, it was a really nice moment, wasn't it? There was a, a similar moment in the Aston Villa game, Man U, where um, Henri Lansbury came on for the first time. Okay, facing Man U for the first time since the uh, the eight two in two thousand and eleven, and he got a massive cheer as well, which was quite fun. Yeah, that was that was a good one too. Um, good, good one, Ben. Uh, Gary, what's your football moment of the week? Okay, so I'm I'm going to go down a league because I actually went to a live game this week. I went to the Valley to watch uh, Sheffield Wednesday play Charlton. And it was a it was a it was a three one win for Wednesday. But my main moment was about um, kind of what they what they refer to on the football weekly, um, the Guardian football weekly podcast as as excellent shithousery. Um, so you you had um, Wednesday won a penalty at one one with about ten minutes to go, um, and just about as Stephen Fletcher was about to strike the penalty, the the, the Charlton goalkeeper Dylan Phillips like screamed out, "You're gonna miss." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which I, I've never heard before. Uh, so he dived the wrong way. Fletcher scored. Fletcher then did a bit of shithouse with his own and running straight up to Phillips and like screaming in his face in celebration. Um, then then uh, Phillips complained to the referee about this, who then booked him for his original um, shout as Fletcher was about to take the penalty. So it was, <laughs> it was shithousery all round. Um, and we got to enjoy the last 15 minutes of the game behind Phillips in, in the Charlton goal, giving him lots of abuse. Uh, so that was, that was quite fun. Excellent. That is a good football moment of the week. I like that one. I do like a bit of, uh, like well-controlled shithousery. It's one of the reasons I like Dele Alli. He's, uh, he's very good at this too. And while I was so, had, so, so sad to lose Ander Herrera in the summer for Man U, it's a lot of fun. Um, my own football moment of the week, I'm going to go back up and sideways a league. Mine comes from the Bundesliga. Did any of you guys watch either the game or the highlights from Bayern Munich against Leverkusen this week? No, but no. I saw Leverkusen won, right? Right. 
Leverkusen won two one, and it was one of the best games. Like um, two really excellent finishes from Leon Bailey for the uh, for the Leverkusen goals on like counter attacks, like uh, really excellent sort of cut and thrust uh, counter attacking movements, and like leading Bailey through on goal to to score like real zipping shots past uh, past Manuel Neuer. Um, but Bayern Munich also had like more than enough chances to win that game, like seven two. But missed so many chances. Even Lewandowski, um, he uh, he missed two really easy chances and was also offside for both of them, which is very unlike him. So he was clearly off form. Gnabry missed a couple of some great saves from Radetzky in the uh, in the Leverkusen goal. So yeah, like just a, a, you know when a match is just so good that even though you're not that invested in the match, it really kind of gets you involved in it because it's back and forth, end to end. It's so exciting. It was one of those games. So that's my highlight of the week. And the um, the highlights from the Bundesliga seem to pop up on my kind of Facebook feed quite often, and it's um, yeah, it, it does seem a really entertaining league. Um, I, I mean, I haven't seen much better than the, um, the 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 Freiburg coach getting charged over a few weeks ago, but um, even the action on the pitch is good in the Bundesliga, so I need to watch out for it some more. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, and Bayern Munich are in fourth place now. Yeah, well, it's about time it's about time they had a bad season. They've won they've won so many titles in a row, so it's good to see some of the clubs mixing it up a bit. Yeah, that's the one issue with the Bundesliga, isn't it? Is how uh, like how much bigger and better Bayern Munich are than everyone else. Like over ten seasons, they're going to win the league nine seasons. That's that's the main flaw with it. Other than that, it's a great league. Um, FPL yeah, yeah. of the week. Sorry, sorry, Gary. Um, FPL moment of the week. Um, let's go, to Ben, first with this one. Yeah, so my, my team did fairly okay this week. I got 53 points, which was enough for a green arrow, I think. Um, of my players, I thought my FL moment is probably De Bruyne's goal against Newcastle. I think some people have, have kind of got rid of KDB. Um, I've kind of held on to him because I, I got him at a really cheap price. And it was a stunning goal in off the crossbar. I think uh, they always look better. So pretty pleased with that. And then I think just generally... Um, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, December as an FPL player. I think we all know a lot of games. So I think like six game weeks in December, no no international break. Um, so it's, it's kind of an interesting one for FPL managers in terms of um, you know you have you have a lot of lot of transfers to make um, because like shorter game weeks and a lot of rotation too. So sometimes having a, a good bench as well helps in December. So I'm kind of just looking forward to the FPL kind of festive period. Yeah, it is going to be exciting, isn't it? I agree with you. And that De Bruyne shot was, was fantastic as well. They almost carried the goalkeeper back into the net with him, didn't he? It was amazing. Good one. Um, Gary, what about you? Okay, so I had a pretty good week this week. Uh, hopefully I'm back after such terrible times. I got 60, 65 points this week and it looks like I've leaped up 300,000 places, but still still in the high two millions, but never mind about that. Um, uh, my, my FPL moment was the um, was Danny Ings. Um, so scoring a goal and getting some points for me as I transferred him in. Um, we we kind of had a bit of a, a technical cock up last week. So the, um, the, the episode, we couldn't, we couldn't broadcast it. Uh, maybe, maybe this will go down as one of those like lost classic episodes, like those old TV programs, and people will 
we'll recreate it in years to come. But I, I can I can reveal to the listeners that I did tip Danny Ings as my gut punt. Um, and my, one of the main things about him was that he's getting an awful lot of points, but very few people have him in their team. Um, I think he's gone up to 7% ownership now. He was down about 4% ownership when I mentioned this last week. Um, but he's, um, yeah, he's been rolling it, racking up the points. And he got nine points for me um, this week. And he's got some pretty tasty fixtures coming up as well. Um, so he's a good one to watch, I reckon. And he got the Wofford manager sack. <laughs> yes, that, that's amazing, right? Sanchez Flores lasted two months returning to the club. Like, I, I really, I, I can't really fathom how that's his fault that the team are bad. <laughs> it, it did seem quite bizarre to um, to go back to a manager that they'd sacked like only a couple of years before, though. And it, it wasn't like sometimes you get like a legendary manager like Mourinho coming back to Chelsea, but it's not usually a guy who did a season in mid-table, then got fired. Then he comes back again. Yeah, it kind of, it suggests that they kind of regretted firing him the first time, right? As though like, they'd look back and with hindsight, like, yeah, probably shouldn't have fired him. So then they rehire him. <laughs> Fire him again, so it wasn't that. <laughs> I mean, I think Watford could be a lot of fun this season because the owners clearly have no patience, but it looks like nothing's going to work for them. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they get through another, more than one more manager this season. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm just awaiting the return of Big Sam Allardyce. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to either to either Watford, probably not Everton because he, uh, he he's going to be he David got sacked from Everton. Everton. Another legendary manager returning. Oh yeah, Big Sam and David Moyes back would be <laughs> great. <laughs> yeah, well, um, back back to the FPL. Um, my moment of the week was Dele Ali. I transferred him in this week. Um, I also gut punted him. I failed to captain him, so uh, I didn't do the triple threat. But I uh, I did bring him in, and he got me 15 points this week with a, with a, a two goal performance. Um, he seems really rejuvenated under um, Jose Mourinho, probably the player that looks the most different under the new manager. Um, and he has really shown he's now scored. I think it's four goals in three games since Mourinho took over, so definitely on form. And we know he's a player who, in the past, has been a real goal scorer. Um, my my sort of reason for bringing him in was he uh, he seems to be playing in a different role now than he has in the past. It's more similar to when he first came into the team and was really good, where he's alternating positions a lot with Harry Kane and getting into the box a lot more, um, while Harry Kane drops deep to sort of um, fool the defenders. So that seems to be uh, a good avenue to go for Tottenham right now. And Deli Ali's the, uh, the the player who's reaping the dividends. So yeah, he's my my moment of the week. Yeah, I, I, I watched that game too. I, I mean, I brought in uh, Hyungman Son, so I, I was basically on Son watch. But I, I noticed Ali was basically in the box more than Kane, almost like a, a second striker. So, um, yeah, I think that was a really good shout. He definitely passes the eye test in terms of like, he's basically always in the box. <laughs> and he sees a lot of touches, a lot of shots. So, yeah, that was a good shout. Yeah. And yeah, also... they, seem, they, seem to have, um, they seem to have changed because I think Pochettino was trying to, make him more of a deep lying player and kind of change his game but Mourinho is just going back to, to what he did best as a, as a number 10 yeah exactly I think it's, it's looking good he also he's one of those players that um, he tries a lot of things like he's a quite a flamboyant and flary player which um, when it comes off can get him a lot of bonus points as well even if he doesn't necessarily score goals he's often involved far forward in the kind of moment where the, the defence is unlocked so 
Dele Alley. It's worked out. Um, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll have a look at the uh, the fixtures for next week. Well, this is offside hit. Might have hit. It twice hit me. Bob Douglas, right done Foster. The best league in the world, the most watched league in the world. I'd give them all the help they need, because clearly it cost us two points a day. It's a joke. Before you to bed, this week worked hard. Come here to get three points. We deserve three points today. We've been let down by the officials. That's why we didn't get three points. Welcome back, everybody. It's uh, time for a look at the fixtures for next week. And we're going to start off with Gary, because he was our highest point scorer this week, with Crystal Palace against Bournemouth. OK, so I think Palace are a bit of a weird team. They seem to be... They seem to show their home form away from home and their away form at home. Um, so they, they kind of pulled up a bit of a surprise winning um, at, at Burnley last week. Um, I kind of expect this to be, to, if it reverts to type, you would expect it to be a kind of low-scoring game or maybe even a narrow Bournemouth win if, if Palace go back to being kind of goal-shy at home. Um, the only thing is, I looked at this, this result last year, and this was possibly probably the only game at um, Selhurst Park, which was a bit of a goal fest. It was a 5-3 win to Palace. Um, so I guess that's the only thing that flies against that. Um, in terms of Palace, so you, we, had, um, we had a very bold move from Matt last week in bringing in uh, Wilf Zaha. Um, which turned out to be a genius move as it got him 11, as Zaha got 11 points. Um, but Matt then, after transferring him in live on the, the, the fabled missing pod, uh, then put him as his second substitute. So um, <laughs> no, no points for Matt, uh, for Zaha. But, um, but yeah, I'd, I'd say Zaha is still the one to watch as we, uh, yeah, um, kind of cutting in and... Yeah, I guess Ayu as a cheap striker is still still playing a bit. Um, and yeah, they've got a very cheap defence apart from Van Aanholt and particularly uh, Martin Kelly at 4.1 million, uh, fantasy football favourite. Um, so yeah, so that's, um, I'd say that's Palace, but yeah. It, then on the Bournemouth side of it, um, yeah, as I say, I think I fancy Bournemouth for this game. I, I think I'm going to predict them to to get a kind of upsetting the odds, kind of one nil or two nil victory here, just because just because Palace seem to um, kind of perform against expectations. Um, and then, yeah, I guess from Bournemouth, like Harry Wilson has been the one making all the headlines. So he didn't even start against Spurs, but he came on and got those two goals. Um, so I, I put a bit of doubt about him uh, earlier this season and Duncan shot me down. So I'm willing to admit my, uh, my fault there. And uh, yeah, Harry Wilson at six million um, is looking very good. Um, and then other than that, we kind of know the other Bournemouth players like Cal- Callum Wilson, I guess, is the other main one. Um, but yeah, so but yeah, it's probably a tricky one to call. But I favour favour Bournemouth, I think. Uh, are any of you guys thinking of Palace plays? If you look at their fixtures, I think I think this is probably Matt's thinking. They have basically green fixtures till January, like Bournemouth, Watford, Brighton, Newcastle, West Ham, Southampton, Norwich. Uh, are any of you tempted by any of their players, or I, not I really? Yet? I am. Yeah, um, I was going to ask Gary actually as, as a preview for this. Uh... Because he didn't, he didn't, he sort of skipped past Van Arnholt. He has a he has form for like going on a stormy run where he scores in three or four games in a row, often against uh, sort of low performing teams. And with a run like this coming up, it might be that moment where you could just catch him while he's on fire. Um, Gary, what do you think of uh, of him as a potential transfer in? 
I mean, yeah, he's a, he's a good one to think about. The, I mean, the only thing I'm wary about with Palace is you, you've got certain teams where you think, oh, at home, like a team, I, I guess Burnley, they kind of upset the odds against Burnley. But against Burnley, you think, oh, at home, Burnley usually deliver for you. Uh, Leicester at home deliver for you. But with Palace, I just see that like Bournemouth at home, Brighton at home, West Ham at home are the, are the three home fixtures in the next seven games. And just the way Palace play, I wouldn't back them to win necessarily win those games they seem to they they don't seem to like the games where they're favorites to win that, that, that's my only reservation yeah that's that's fair enough i think the other thing is of course that van Aanholt is a because of his history of goal scoring he's a, a premium defender isn't he so um probably a good shout i'm going to move on from that game we spent a lot of time on, on crystal palace v bournemouth and move on to uh to burnley v man city which is um for me, because I was second scorer, the second highest scorer this week. So this is a really interesting one, I think, because I believe that we are in the midst of seeing the uh, the right on schedule, the Pep Guardiola unraveling moment where he goes crazy um, and starts playing midfielders in every position and doesn't work, and he ends up burning out and taking a sabbatical. Um, we saw it at Barcelona when he started playing Cesc Fabregas up front. We saw it um, at Bayern Munich when he was playing Javi Martinez in defence and dropped pimples. Like uh, a lot of sort of crazy stuff has happened. Um, we just tries to force eleven central midfielders onto the pitch. We're now seeing Fernandinho playing in central defence. We're seeing uh, Bernardo Silva playing right wing. We're seeing like all these like midfielders getting crammed into positions that they don't belong. And that to me is the sign of the uh, the, the end for Pep Guardiola. So the Guardiopolis, Guardiopolis. Anyway, how do you would say that? <laughs> so I think um, Burnley is the worst away. It's the worst possible fixture you could face in the middle of Guardiola unraveling, and Burnley will win this one. That's my prediction. I think it's going to be wow, maybe two one. Um, might be a draw, but I don't think Man City are going to win, and I think Pep will go crazy. Um, this will be the last season he'll be at Man City, I think, and uh, he'll end up either at Barca or Juve. Um, yeah, that's my prediction, which is kind of, kind of big. So I think if you've got, I, I, I've long since got rid of Raheem Sterling and um, I had Zinchenko for a while, got rid, got rid of him too. But um, the really big question for Man City players, if, you, if you're if you sort of thinking as I am that you want to get, get rid of them, is Kevin De Bruyne. Because he has risen in value so much that if you lose him now, you can't get him back really because you, you've lost like a million in value from him. So I'm keeping him, but I'm very unhappy that I have to. <laughs> um, meanwhile, on the Burnley side, I think this is a, uh, if you've got either Ashley Barnes or Chris Wood, they're fairly popular FPL legends, then I think this is a, a game to play both of those two or either of those two if you have them, because I think they will score the goals. Bold, bold prediction. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm glad I got this game. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I, I don't know. Just just because something's happened before with Guardiola, I, I still wonder if they he's got a got a bit more left in him. I, a lot of people are writing this title off this this title race off this season. I still think Man City are, are very much in the race. Oh, I I think they they've given up and probably are, are probably going to divert all attention to Champions League. Is my guess because how many points off are they now? It's a, it's a lot, right? Eleven points. Yeah, eleven points in December. It's a lot. I, st- I, it's, it I, be, I just yeah. think Liverpool. 
Yeah, I just think Liverpool still will drop some points. But I mean, I don't know what what you, what do you think, Andy? I don't think it should be the end at eleven points behind in December. There's plenty of football left to play, and Liverpool do have like weaknesses in their side. They don't have a lot of squad depth. Um, they they're not playing well enough that you think, yeah, no one's ever going to beat them this season. They just keep winning and winning and winning two one two one two one, but they're not blowing teams away. Um, so I think there's enough there for to give other teams hope. But I just I don't think Man City have catch them. Um, I they might if I was going to sort of let's say Liverpool fall apart and I'm going to pick the team most likely to catch them. I think it's I think Leicester are more likely to catch them than City this season. Oh no, I don't. I don't think there's any chance of that. I think I think City are definitely coming second if they don't come first. But I I just think um, I I. I Personally, I'd, I'd just wear, I'd be cautious of writing them off. I mean, it's basically, on, on match of the day, everyone was saying how well Liverpool did and how they coped with City. But then I, I looked at the stats at the end of it and the XG. It was something like 2.4 to City and 0.2 to Newcastle. I, I think Newcastle were lucky. Uh, I, I just think people have become accustomed to how amazing City are. So when they when they don't win 3 or 4-0, everyone thinks they're, they're, they're finished, but they're I still, I still think they're a very strong team and I, I still think they've got a lot of goals in them. Well, yeah, that, that's not really the issue, though, is it? It's that they aren't defending well enough because they've got Fernandinho and, you know, plus one who isn't good enough either Stones or Otamendi at centre-back and they're just too porous. I guess this game will will be revealing. Yeah, that's that's true. So if Burnley win, heard it here first. <laughs> Um, ben, you're up next with Chelsea against Aston Villa. Yeah, I think this one will be uh, an interesting one. I, I saw Tammy Abraham, so I'm hoping... Uh, so we're recording on Sunday. I hope there's some news tomorrow for the midweek games. Um, and hopefully he will be back. I think when, when they played their lineup this past weekend, uh, I think Olivier Giroud started, Pedro started... Um, so probably wasn't their strongest side and that kind of backfired um, for Chelsea. So I'm predicting they'll they'll put up a pretty strong lineup to try and get back on track. Um, I've actually been thinking about bringing in Pulisic because just of his stats and how often he shoots. But he played the full 90 um, yesterday and, and obviously these are midweek games, so I'm not sure if he'll be rested or rotated. Um, I think William will come back in because he was rested this past weekend. And just finished watching Villa United. Villa were pretty good. Manu were pretty terrible. Um, Jack Grealish obviously scored a, a really uh, amazing goal. So he's he's probably, um, him and McGinn, I think, are probably the, the standouts from the Villa side. But I, I think I would predict Chelsea to maybe just edge this. And I think there'll definitely be goals in it. Um, both teams kind of like to attack. So that's kind of how I see it going. Who do you think will start up front? I'm hoping Tammy Abraham will come back. <laughs> if he if he's out, I think Bastroy will start because Zuru started the last game. Um, I have no idea if Pulisic is going to start or not, which kind of m- might make me hold off making that transfer. Because I think there will be a lot of resting happening in this kind of two games a, a week situation. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Ben. I, th- I think I think his kind of Lampard was looking like one game ahead for this because, I mean, William has started pretty much every game. I started every game since game week four. Um, so it, it seemed like a bit of a tactical 
change and that they also have Hudson Adoy who's just got back to fitness again so so yeah I I'd be careful with those Chelsea wingers the thing with uh, with the Chelsea wingers is that they're so tempting just that they they look like really good value if they're going to start right yeah and and also Chelsea you know tend to score they didn't they didn't do it at West Ham but they tend to attack a lot and score a lot of goals as well so that makes them even more tempting so yeah exactly. uh, I, I have Pulisic already um, and he's, he's done alright for me to be fair because he's been playing all this time but I'm obviously watching out the second he gets dropped that's it I'm uh, I'm, I'm not like clinging to him because it is a bit of a, a tenuous line to walk yeah and the, the only other call out is I mean if people still have Mason Mount I think he he, but I think they're better options now. He, he's he's playing pretty deep. I think um, not as getting forward as much as he used to, and I, he's I think he's blanked four or five game weeks in a row now. So I, I luckily took him out um, four or five game weeks ago. But if you still have him, it may it may be time to ship him out soon. Yeah, it's a good shout. With the uh, you mentioned Zaha earlier, might be a decent option to replace him with at the same price. Yep. Um, we're going to have to move on and get through these fixtures. So, Gary, you're up next with Leicester against Watford. Okay, so we've, uh, the, I guess the big news today was that uh, Kike, Flan, uh, Kiko, Kike Sanchez Flores uh, has been sacked by Watford. Um, and so, who knows if they'll have a manager in place by Wednesday. Um, Chris Hewton is one of the names being linked to the job. Um, but it just means we've got to be aware of the um, the dangerous uh, new manager bounce for Watford. Um, but otherwise, this would look like a pretty routine victory for Leicester. Um, last season, Leicester won this one 2-0. Vardy and Madison scored. I wouldn't be surprised if, if that happened again. Um, in terms of Leicester players, well, they're a, very, they're a lovely fantasy football squad because they, they just rely on a very core squad of about 10 or 11 players. Uh, you've got Vardy, who's already got 110 points this season. Um, so, so he's absolutely flying. Um, and then you've got Pereira, who got another assist today um, as one of the one of the top ranked defenders. Um, I, th- I think people, a lot of people, are maxed out on Leicester players, or have at least two players. Um, so, so yeah, I think that's obvious um, for Watford. Yeah, I guess it, you'd have to be a bit of a braver man to go for Watford. Um, so, like like Duncan last week, bringing in Daryl Yanmatz as his transfer, um, <laughs> the only promptly got injured. Uh, <laughs> so that was a, that was a shame for Dun- for Duncan. Um, so yeah, I, I don't see much value in Watford. The, the only thing nagging in my mind and why I benched um, Soyuncu this week for the Everton game was. I just think Leicester still prefer to be a counter-attacking team. And when teams go to um, the, the, their stadium and just try and defend, they, they sometimes struggle a little bit. So like Everton nearly got away with a draw. And I wouldn't be... I, I think Watford will be trying to lock down that game. But I, I just think the fact that they don't have a manager and they're all over the place means Leicester will win. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd be very surprised if uh, if Leicester didn't win this game. I think uh, most people would agree with you on that, Gary. Um, Jamie Vardy has now scored in six consecutive matches, <laughs> which is another crazy run for him. Um, what, what, what was the record? He's got. He's, 
He's got the record, hasn't he? Yeah, was it ten in a row when he when he set the record last time around? And he could be. I think it was eleven. I think it. I think it was eleven. Eleven, because um, it was Van, it was Van Nistelrooy's record, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And I just I just remember um, I remember he broke the record against Man United, and then he gave he, he celebrated in like classic Vardy style by giving the Man U away fans like a volley load of abuse. Um, and then I think in the press conference afterwards, one of the journalists said. Oh, you've broken the Premier League record, but I think there was some Sheffield United player in like the 1920s or something that had scored 13 in a row, and he, he was just like, "Oh, you're just making these records up now." Um, <laughs> but but yeah, maybe, maybe he's on for it again. Like, I, I mean, Watford's a dream fixture for him if he wants to uh, make it seven in a row, which in itself is impressive. It's incredible, yeah. Um, so Vardy captain against Watford. Um, well, <laughs> I, uh, I must admit, having said all that about Vardy, I've, I've now gone past the point where I, I need to transfer him in and I'm hoping that he, he's, my differential is not having Vardy, if you see what I mean. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> it's not working out for me great so far. Uh, it, it, he only got six points this week, so it was damage limitation. Uh, but yeah, yeah, if you've got, if you've got Vardy, I'd say at home to Watford, he is... Uh, looking at a good a good shout. Uh, the only thing on captaincy options is he's a striker, so his goals are worth a little bit less. So if you, if you've got one of those players like Mane or Sterling that get five points per goal, they might be still be a better bet. All right, good tip. Okay, moving swiftly onwards, then we have uh, a big fixture in Manu against Spurs. Um. This is going to be, I think, a high-scoring one FPL-wise because both teams are really bad at defending. Um, they've both conceded a lot of goals in the last couple of uh, Premier League fixtures to teams that you wouldn't really expect them to concede lots of goals to. Um, so I think this this could be another 2 or 3 or pro- probably a Spurs win because Mourinho, if he wants to win one game this season, this is probably the one he wants to win in front of the Old Trafford fans. So I imagine Spurs are going to be fairly up for this game. Um, or as Man U probably won't necessarily want to do the same thing for their manager, I don't think. So um, I expect Spurs to sort of edge it, but for it to be high scoring. So um, Dele Alli, Jung Min Son, Marcus Rashford, Anthony Martial, all high-owned players in the attacking departments of both teams. I think um, even if you've got both playing against each other, it's normally a bit of a, oh, who shall I play out of the Tottenham or the Man U players? Play them both because they're both going to score this week. Um and yeah, stay away from the defenders because I don't think they're going to do very well. But be a brave man to uh, to, to play um, defenders against either of these teams. I think and, um, we've I think we've transferred in Brandon Williams in our um, hive mind team. Might be a good idea to bench him for this game because it's a tough one. Um, so anybody else who's done the same thing, I'd recommend doing the same thing. Um, yeah, I think uh, that's probably my my all I've got to say about this game. Anything to add, Ben, as a man? Fair. I I just wonder if. Tactically, we man, you may do one of those weird formations where we basically try and park the bus and, and try and counter attack um, and try and stifle Spurs a little bit. I, it probably won't work because I don't really have the personnel to do it very well. Um, but yeah, I'm, I, I'm interested to see tactically what United do because I think that they'll try and do something because it's clear Spurs are the better team have the better players. Um, and it's also Mourinho's return. So, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I think if 
strangely uh, pod favourite. If McTominay is not fit for this, then you know, I think Spurs will definitely win. I think, man, you just don't have the quality, I think, to to live with them. But we'll probably, I think, like you said, have a good chance of scoring because uh, United prefer counter-attacking football. And I think Spurs will have most of the possession. Yeah, if, it, if that does happen, it's a part of the bus situation. I think it's a terrible move because Spurs have a lot of players that are good for shooting from outside the box. They've got Son, they've got Ali, they've got um, Harry Kane. Um, yeah, these are all players that can score from outside the box. I, I don't think it's a wise move to try and uh, <laughs> uh, park, it, park, park the bus in that way. Um, anything to add, Gary? Um, I'm just interested from two of my new fans what kind of reception uh, Jose Mourinho will get back at Old Trafford. I think it'll get a good one. <laughs> yeah, I, honestly, I don't, I don't think the fans that much, given that it's not like... I, initially, when he first left, obviously, the results picked up, but overall, not much seems to have changed. And I think a lot of the things he used to complain about have been vindicated. Like, we, we bought a really expensive centre-back like he asked for, and guess what? He's one of our best players now. Um, he was sort of the, the thing that people hated about him was he didn't get the attack flowing. Well, you know what? Solskjaer hasn't really got the attack flowing either. We score a lot of goals because we've got very skillful players up front, but we, uh, I don't know. I don't think we look better without him. So I don't. I think uh, there are a few people with their tails between their legs right now, especially given how Paul Pope has just vanished off the face of the earth. Yeah, well, um, I'd, I'd, I'd not, I'm not so sure. I, I, I think he's such a pantomime villain. I think the Man U fans will want to have a go, a bit of a go at him. But who knows? I think, I think Jose will, uh, Jose will manage to make it all about himself, um, whatever happens. <laughs> so um, I'll be, very, I'll be very interested to, to see that one. I'll certainly be tuning into that one. I think. Yeah, the one thing that's really annoying is how much he looks like he's enjoying himself at Spurs. That's really annoying. <laughs> I, I saw this clip of him actually on Match of the Day where he's like, it, it, he's kind of with all the um, the like mascots before the game. I don't know why Spurs seem to have about a, a whole team of mascots. There's like 11 of them. But <laughs> like Mar- Mourinho was obviously doing like the PR to kind of be friendly to them all, but he's still kind of growling or glaring, glaring at them all. He's just kind of like, there's no kind of smile on his face. He's still just kind of... Um, kind of like staring at them a little bit when he's kind of shaking hands with them. And it's just, I, I, I don't know though, I think maybe a, a glare from Mourinho would mean more than a, a hundred kind words from Graham Potter or someone. He's such a, a famous <laughs> character. Like those kids will remember that forever. Plus you want to be glared at, right? That's what he's there for. Imagine getting smiled at by Mourinho. Oh, that's disappointing. I wanted to glare. Yeah. If, if someone said, oh, yeah, oh, actually in real life, he's a really nice guy, really humble does loads for charity, that kind of stuff. You'd be a bit disappointed, wouldn't you? So it's good to have <laughs> the villain back. Yeah, exactly. All right. Um, another big one for you, Ben. Southampton against Norwich. Oh, yeah. Um, I think a Southampton crucial win against uh, Watford. <clears throat> I actually watched a bit of that game. I thought they were, both teams were completely awful. Um, but... Uh, like Gary said, mentioned earlier, Danny Ings, I think, is the the standout player from Southampton in terms of uh, his goal-scoring record. And definitely definitely a good fixture for him at home to Norwich, who, um, although their form is picking up, still concede a lot of goals. I think Norwich-wise, was, this weekend was a bit of a throwback to the beginning of the season with uh, Pukki getting a, a goal and um, Todd Cantwell getting a goal as well. So um, two of the favourites from early in the season. Um, granted, it was against um, 
you know, very leaky Arsenal side. Um, but I, you know, and they have some decent fixtures coming up to Norwich. I, I personally can't bring myself back to <laughs> bringing them back into my team, having having stuck with them for quite a while in their in their barren run. Um, but if you've kept hold of them, this is this is obviously another good fixture. So. Yeah, I think the usual suspects from Norwich, um, Cartmel Pookie, if you still have them, uh, Danny Ings from Southampton. I hard to predict the result though. I may just cop out and say score draw because I, I don't really have a sense of um, which team is in better form right now. I don't know if you guys do. I mean, I, I have a bit of a thing that I, I think Southampton are... I don't quite understand why they're doing so badly. I, I, I feel like they should be a bit better than they are. So I, I've got a feeling Southampton may, might just pull a little run together. I agree. Yeah, I, th- I think um, they don't have that... The players aren't that good. But I think that Hassan Hootel, although he's come under a lot of stick in the press, like justifiably given how bad results have been, I think fundamentally he's a really good manager that has the team playing. Like he knows how he wants the team to play. Um, and the players don't look like they've deserted him. I think that, that 9-0 against Leicester was obviously a terrible result and traumatic for the players. But it seems to have like caused them to look at, look at themselves in the mirror a little bit and turn, turn a corner. So I, I fancy Southampton for this one at home as well. Um, that's I think enough of that fixture. I'm moving that, moving on to the next one. This is a, a Gary fixture: Wolves against West Ham. Okay, so I watched quite a bit of Wolves against Sheffield United. Actually, I wanted to see how my boy uh, Adama Traore would get on, um, and the the answer was quite disappointingly. Actually, I think um, Wolves looked very flat. They didn't really offer much attacking threat, and were probably a bit fortunate to get a point. Um, so yeah. Another team that Sheffield United have nullified. Um, I guess the question for this game is which West Ham is going to turn up? Is it the one that's turned the, the kind of the, the disappointing team that's that played most of their games, or whether the the kind of the West Ham that suddenly won at, at Chelsea is going to turn up? Um, last year, Wolves won this game three nil. Um, Jimenez scored twice, and Jimenez really is the standout Wolves player to have. Um, so Matt has brought him into his team and I'm a bit jealous of him having Jimenez because I think he's uh, he's a really good striker and he's either got a goal or an assist in each of his last um, seven games or by one, I think one, one barren game out of seven. And even in that game, he got an assist. So he's still ticking over with the points. Um, there's not a lot else with Wolves though. Um, and I think Traore is one of those, he, he might turn out to be a good player, but He's still a little bit one-dimensional. And then you've got lots of little nice midfielders who, who pass it around a bit and defenders who, who concede the odd goal. So there's not a lot in Wolves this season at the moment. Um, as for West Ham, well, there's the new star that, that Ben mentioned at the top of the programme, David Martin. Um, so what would be interesting about him is he's just £4 million pounds um, so if people are looking for a second goalie or someone to kind of shuffle things up a bit, um, he got 10 points away at Chelsea. I'm not sure he's going to keep that form up, but um, he's certainly get plenty of shots playing for West Ham. So, uh, but yeah, maybe David Martin. Um, 
the West Ham defence as well. I think um, our uh, our hive mind team dropped down the league pretty much as soon as we transferred in Issa Diop. Um, and he's finally been dropped by West Ham. So they've now got uh, Balbuena playing at the back, um, who again is another cheap defender at 4.3. Um, so, so yeah, there, there might be some bargains with West Ham. Who knows? Um, yeah, I, I'm going to say that the, the the terrible version of West Ham is going to turn up, and Wolves are going to win this one. But um, but yeah, maybe they've got a puncher's chance. Yeah, I can't really disagree with anything you said there, Gary. Ben, how about you? No, yeah. I mean, I I also have Traore, so I'm hoping he. He gets his act together for this game and hopefully West Ham are terrible. All right, on then to Liverpool versus Everton and a potential car crash. Um, Everton, having lost at the last minute this, this week, um, it would it should be a prime time to get rid of Marco Silva, but will they do that right before the derby? Um, it's a bit of a question mark. They looked better this week, I thought, than than they have done in the past. Um, they they led for a lot of the game, but it just looks like it isn't working for Silver there. Um, so my guess is that he'll uh, he'll survive this run of three games in seven days, and then won't do very well, and that'll be toast for him. Um, that being the case, I, I would expect Everton to maybe put up a a sort of decent stand here against against Liverpool and, you know, Gallon lead. Um, so this is probably one for your Liverpool fullbacks um, to get a clean sheet and probably an assist. Um, probably one for Sadio Mane because he likes the big games. Um, and not one, very few Everton players, I think, are in very many fantasy teams at the moment. If Silver goes, then all bets are off. Like, this could be 8-0, in my opinion. So... Uh, I think I'd look out for the managerial news for this one. What if David Moyes oh. comes back? Everton Everton to win. <laughs> I think if David Moyes comes back, he will intentionally come back immediately after an 8-0 shellacking so that he can be the saviour. Because mm. he'd be mad to come back and this, for this to be a first fixture. The ones that I found really interesting was the one about Liverpool's last nine games. The only match they've won by more than one goal was the, the 3-1 win over City. They've all been one, one game, one goal victories. So should we expect another tight one goal victory or is this going to be a... Yeah, I guess it depends on the manager, as you say. Yeah, assuming Everton don't bottom out. Like I would expect a 1-0 a or a 2-1 unless Silver goes. Um, next one up is Sheffield United against Newcastle um, and Gary I know you do love talking about Sheffield United so I'll pass this one on to you oh well <laughs> you, you, you're probably by surprise there I think, I think Ben kidding, was uh, Ben was lining up this one yeah this is one for Ben <laughs> um, yeah I don't really have too much to say I didn't watch um, any of these teams Um I'm hoping kind of for a boring nil-nil and I can get some lunchroom clean sheet points. I, I did see that stat that Gary, Gary um, shared earlier when Newcastle's XG and Man City was basically zero. So um, I think they, they haven't improved, I think, a ton attacking-wise. And obviously, Sheffield United home, um, well-drilled defensive unit. So um, hoping for either a nil-nil or a narrow... Sheffield United win 
Um, the only player that I think um, is interesting is uh, Muset, Lise Muset, for 5.1 million. He's now scored uh, two goals in two. So um, he looks like he may be a decent shout if you're looking for a, a cheap third striker. And um, Sheffield United are about to go on a, a really good run of fixtures. So they have Newcastle, Norwich, Aston Villa, Brighton, Watford, all in December. So um, I, I know some people are even thinking about doubling up on their defenders, which uh, I'm probably not going to do just yet. Um, I'm just happy with Lundstrom. But yeah, just to call out that Sheffield United are about to go on a good run of, of fixtures. But I think this will be a, a tight one. I, I did actually on the on the phantom on the phantom pod last week. I did actually praise a Sheffield United player, but I, I'm as as no one had heard that. I'm, I'm going to backtrack and pretend it never happened. Um, I'd like I'd like to praise a Newcastle player though, because um, I believe that Almiron got his first assist. He, he, it was in his 24th game. Uh, he hadn't scored or got an assist. So um, so yeah, 5.8 million, Miguel Almiron. <laughs> Yeah, just have to wait for his first goal now. That that will be epic. He'll probably run the length of Bramall Lane with his shirt off, like flying around his head or something. Who knows? And get sent off for a second yellow. That would be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> um, Newcastle are an interesting side this season, aren't they? Because everyone expected them to fall off a cliff at Benitez, but they don't really seem to have. They seem to sort of be finding odd results here and there to stay out of trouble. Um but yeah, I, I think I agree that this is probably a Sheffield United victory because they look really good this season and they, the wheels don't look like coming off anytime soon. Um, one more fixture then. Arsenal-Brighton. Gary, it, it finally is a time to talk. Okay, right. Well, um, again, this is, I, I guess there's been so many managerial changes. This is another interesting one because we've got Freddie Jumberg now for Arsenal. Um, and well, they just had that quite entertaining 2-2 draw at Norwich. Um, we'll see where it goes from there. Um, it looks like Ozil is back in fashion. as he, uh, as he's, Well, he started the last couple of games under Emery, but he was also picked um, by, by Jungberg. Um, they also brought back Granit Xhaka, 5.2 million, if, uh, if anyone fancies that. Um, probably guessing there won't be many takers for Granit Xhaka. Uh, and um, also Mustafi. Um, who's 5.2 million as well, um, who has been out in the cold all season. He came back for his first start. Um, so I guess he started at 5.5. So compared to what the, um, the fantasy game reckoned he rated him out at the start, he's quite a cheap price. Um, but yeah, I'd, I, guess, I guess with Arsenal, um, it's really about the strikers, about Lacazette and Aubameyang. Um and so I, I was all ready to get rid of Aubameyang, but then I, I decided to stick with him for one more week. And he's paid me back with uh, 13 points this week, I think. Um, and he's one definitely to watch for, 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 um, for this one against Brighton. Um, as far as Brighton go, they're a bit of a funny team. They kind of seem to um, manage to kind of always put up a fight, but and very occasionally, like they did against Spurs, they'll click. Um, but then they'll be kind of anonymous at other times. Um, against Liverpool, the guy that really caught the eye was Lewis Dunk, who um, was, um, yeah, 
he's their best defender, but he kind of seemed like their best attacker as well. He was the one who was causing lots of chaos in the box. And then he scored that bizarre free kick when uh, um, Adrian was too busy uh, um, sorting out his wall. He's actually scored in his last two games, Dunk. So, um, so yeah, maybe maybe he might be uh, uh, an unusual but um, choice, but one that you should stick with if you have him because he's a bit of a threat. Um, yeah, so I'm, I guess in summary, I, I expect Arsenal will win this game, but they'll probably it'll probably be like a typical uh, Unai Emery match where they kind of have to sweat for it. They maybe go one 0 down and then pull it back in the second half. Um, I what do you have reckon? A- Lewis Duncan, my team, but I've, I've got him on the bench right now. Here's a question for you, though, Gary. Uh, I want advice on my team. I, my goalkeepers are Matt Ryan and uh, and Tom Heaton against Chelsea. Who would you who would you play in goal? I think I'd go for Matt Ryan out of those two. I'd, I I wonder if um, I wonder if Villa's exertions at Old Trafford might just take a bit out of them. So when they go to Chelsea, um, they'll be a little bit um, kind of jaded. Uh, whereas Brighton, I think they've had an extra day's rest compared to Arsenal. And Ryan seems to be pulling off quite a lot of saves at the moment. Oh, yeah, he has. I've, I've just looked at his stats. He's got uh, 21 saves in his last three games. Um, so, so yeah, I'd, I'd stick with Ryan. All right. Thank you for the advice. Um, one player you didn't mention who I might look out for in this game, who's doing surprisingly well this season, is uh, Trossard from Brighton. I know Matt's a big advocate of his, but I think given the uh, the, the um, sponge-like porousness of Arsenal's defence, possibly he might be a, worth a look. Or maybe Connolly. Yeah, I mean, I've got Connolly. I, I guess he's, he's such good value. I think a lot of people have him because he's so cheap. Um, but yeah, I'd, I mean, he's, he's kind of bench fodder for me, Connolly. I guess with Trossard, yeah, it, that could be an interesting shout. I think he might come back into the team. Uh, he was on the bench against Liverpool, but he came off the bench and got an assist. Um, and you'd expect Brighton to want to kind of rotate a bit. So I think he'll play. Um, and yeah, their fixtures coming up aren't too bad. So um, so yeah, it might be an interesting... There's a lot of midfielders around that six million mark and it's trying to find a good one is always a bit challenging. But um, he's definitely on my kind of long list kind of radar. Um I need to shake things up a bit. Good. All right. Well, thank you. Um, very quickly, then, we're, uh, we're running out of time for this section. So, quickly, let's go through whipping boys. Um, ben, who do you think might be a, a, a candidate for the whipping boys this week? Uh, hmm, maybe Watford? Yeah, I think that's solid. Gary? Um, I'm going to go for Villa. Um, just kind of what I explained earlier. I, I just wonder if Old Trafford, going to Old Trafford and then to Stamford Bridge all in three or four days, that this is the kind of match away at Chelsea they'd usually like to kind of really prepare for over the course of a week and really put a lot of energy into it. I, I think they might be um, a bit leggy and a bit tired. Yeah, I think these are both really good shouts, but I'm going to break the tie and, and go with Watford and Jamie Vardy to- to continue his uh, extremely good run. So that means Watford, our whipping boys this week. Um, clean sheets. Gary, do you want to go first on this one? Uh, yes. Okay. Um, so I think that... Let's have a look. 
yeah, well, I'll go. I'll, I'll back you guys up with Leicester. I think I think they should get a clean sheet against Watford. Okay. Ben? I'm going to go Sheffield United. Solid. Um, I think Wolves will keep a clean sheet against West Ham. Mm. I don't see many more clean sheets because I, I feel like these games, when you when you get a lot of games in quick succession, they tend to get a bit crazier and a bit more goals flying in. Um, the only thing, the only one I'd say is I think the Palace Bournemouth is the one that looks most like a nil-nil to me. So I'll, I'll maybe, I'll maybe part a bit of a punt with Bournemouth as a clean sheet. I was going to say Palace, but a nil-nil would uh, <laughs> would cover us both there, wouldn't it? <laughs> I, I don't really see much else in there either. Ben, how about you? Uh, no, I think that's about it. Okay, good. Well, that concludes the fixture preview. We're going to take a quick break before coming back and uh, looking at our podcast league. Welcome back, everybody. And uh, I'm going to pass over to Gary. He's going to... No, that's, in... that's incorrect, actually. I'm going to pass over to Ben, who is going to give us a quick rundown of how our podcast league is going and pick out a couple of teams. Yep. So, going through our top five, um, Reed Oliveira still, is still um, first with 904 points. He had a decent week. Um, he's, he's a clear 50 points ahead of uh, second place, Adam Björk. Then we have Harry Quinn, uh, Morten Blaubjörg, <laughs> uh, and Kush Marotra um, round at the top five. Top five all had kind of similar scores around the 50s. And then honorable mention to a joint top fifth, Duncan, who um, very strong showing this week, 64 points. So a bit of pod credibility um, rounding out the top five. And our top scorer this week um, is actually, I think, a friend of the pod, Nathan Mills, with 73 points. Um, he, he still has Virgil van Dijk, who got a brace and 17 points. He captained De Bruyne. Um, very interestingly decided to bench boost uh, this week, maybe because he wanted that. He wanted a pod shout out. Um, and he bench boosted for three points. Uh, his bench was Ramsdale, uh, Bournemouth keeper, one point. Adam Smith, I don't think he even played, was injured. Um, Daniel Lundulu from <laughs> Southampton. I've never heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> what a player. I, I don't think he's ever... I'm just looking at him now. He's never, he's never got on the pitch. He's never played a single minute. Uh, and then uh, Connor Cody for two points. So yeah. awful bench boost, but his main team... <laughs> his main team... Did the business well, and he got it, 73 points. Quite remarkable. It, it certainly worked. If you want a pod shout out, just throw in a random bench boost and uh, <laughs> it might it might solve that problem as well. He was clearly in two minds. Should I go with De Bruyne, Salah or Unlundaloo? Unlundaloo? Uh, uh Yeah, but no, well, well um, we're... Uh, Nate, Nate is a hardened competitor in this league. I, I think I think he got mentioned by Matt last year when he uh, he randomly triple captained uh, Pascal Gross from uh, Brighton um, the, the week that Gross missed a penalty. So uh, he's a bit of he is a true maverick. 
Um, <laughs> just to pick up on one other thing you said, Ben, I think, again, we, we, we kind of covered this in the Phantom pod, but I think Rui de Oliveira is, a, is kind of a new entrant into our league. So uh, he's kind of shot up to the top. Um, and he's, he's kind of right up there. One of the, I think he's one of the best in the game. He's right up there in the yeah, overall rank 350, I think, is uh, what, what I'm seeing at the moment. So he's, he's right up there. So we've, we've got some uh, FPL royalty in our league now. So if, if people want to catch him, they're going to have to, uh, to really up their game. Well, I'm yeah. Um, and the worst, the worst score of this league, because I think, I think that's more fun than looking at someone who's 350th in the world, at least for me personally, is Owen um, Yoni Dawies. I hope I said that right. I probably didn't. Um, he scored 23 points this week with a hit. And I think what's interesting about his team is, on paper, it actually looks really strong. Uh, you've got Nick Pope, uh, Robertson, uh, Evans from Leicester, Harry Maguire maybe a bit suspect. But he's got Pulisic, Mount, Madison, Bernardo Silva, Martial, Kane, and Jimenez. So not obviously um, that bad on paper. Um, Captain Kane, which was unlucky. Spurs scored three goals and Kane, Kane uh, blanked. But yeah, I think it's just one of, those, one of those weeks where your team looks good on paper and then it, it fails to deliver. I think we've all been there. It's heartbreaking, isn't it? When you go in thinking, great, my players have all got really good fixtures. This is going to go really well. And then just <laughs> nothing happens. <laughs> yeah, I think the, the, the worst thing when, when, I, uh, when I have these kind of weeks is when, when teams score like a lot of goals and your player does nothing. Like Spurs scored three goals and Harry Kane did nothing. It's like, uh, it must be really annoying. I quite enjoyed it, to be honest, but I understand yeah, that, I mean... that might, might be annoying <laughs> for our, uh, our poor protagonist. Okay, uh, thanks for that rundown. We now have to talk about our own team, who um, this week didn't do brilliantly, if we're honest. Um, we ended up with, I think it was 46 points this week. Um, quite similar, actually. We have a team that really, on paper, look, looks looks all right at the moment. Um, obviously, Abraham's injured, but he's due back soon after his mysterious hip injury that nobody knows how long it's going to be out for. Um, there's no, there, there aren't very many players in here that I think look like liabilities. The one thing that I, the suggestion I have for our transfer this week is I think that maybe Diego Rico might have outstayed his welcome. I think that Bournemouth's kind of run of being a really solid defensive team might be over right now. And uh, at a roughly similar price, Crystal Palace might be about to come into a set of clean sheets. So perhaps Kelly in for Rico would be my suggestion. What do you guys think about that? I um, so yeah, go ahead. Go Tom. ahead. Yeah, um, uh, I, I was just going to ask how much how much do we have in the bank because Rico Rico's four point three million. Um, we have point six. six, and he's basically he's right. only four point two for us because his value went up, so he's only worth four four point two to us. Yeah, I think it's a good transfer, but. I think the way our team is set up, we probably want to play only three at the back most game weeks. Um, so my alternate transfer is proposal is Nick Pope, um, our goalie, has to play City, then Tottenham. Um, and then um, generally they have a pretty bad run. So I was going to do 
suggest Pope to Gaeta. I mean, similar, similar thinking, trying to get into the Palace defence for their good run. Um, but Nick Pope is our starting goalkeeper, so um, we would definitely play Gaeta every week. So that would be my proposal. And he's a, a, a personal success story for you as well, isn't he, Ben? So yeah, I, I do <laughs> from last that. season. Last season was, uh, was quite a legend for me. Gary, what about you? Are you um, aligned that we want to buy into the Palace defence or are you thinking a different direction? Um, as, as I mentioned, I, I think Palace, they're a funny team because they, they don't always get the wins at home that they, they think they might and then they'll pull out uh, an unusual win away from home. So, But, but yeah, I'm, I've, I've got no strong, strong feelings on that. Um, I mean, I was looking at other defenders if we wanted to get rid of Rico. We, we kind of gave a bit of a name check out to, um, to Lewis Dunk um, earlier on the pod. He's 4.6. Uh, he might be one other one that we could consider. Um, but yeah, not, yeah no, no, no problem really with, uh, with Palace. Which, which defender were you saying again, Andy? Were you thinking Kelly? Yeah, that's right. Cause he's, uh, he's, he's even cheaper than Rico, so that would save us uh, 0.1. And I, I guess there's there's two ways of looking at it. There's a few injuries with Palace, so he's he's likely to play. But then there's a few injuries with Palace, so they might they might lose because he's playing every week. Yeah, the the issue of bringing Kelly in is you would who would you drop? Would you drop Traore for West Ham? Or are you just assuming? I guess we don't know if Tammy Abraham is back yet either. I guess. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty unlikely I mean, that he's going to play midweek. To be honest, Abraham. Um, so then we'd have we we have to pick one of our subs. That's what that in this case would be um, Kelly, Traore, or Williams. Williams against Spurs, definitely not. I think probably of those three, I pick Kelly. But you're right. He's uh, I think Gaeta is probably a higher impact change because he will play every week over Pope. So um, I think I've been converted to the Gaeta camp. Yeah, and then you don't have to play Pope against City, even though. You're predicting this is the end of Guardiola's uh, city, but yeah, I think uh, they'll score. Though. I don't think, I don't think, yeah, like they 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 could go forward. They just concede so many goals. All right, what do you think, Gary? Um, I'm I'm happy to go along with this. Um, I I would um, I I did I did think about Pope recently, but only because he came up on uh, he came up on Test Match Special. They were saying that they thought this might be the first time that the England goalkeeper and the England wicketkeeper had the same surname. We've got Ollie Pope and we've got um, Nick Pope. Uh, so I don't know where that leaves us in fantasy football, but <laughs> maybe it's time to get rid. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, maybe I'll, it's time I'll... for Gita. Let's get a bit of uh, get a bit of Palace in there. Okay, I'm, yeah, we can do so shall I do that right now? Yeah, go for it. Add player. We have spent um, 0.4 of our 0.6, just as a sort of uh, on the record. It's not a, a like-for-like switch that, so probably worth being on record with that, but I've, I'm, I've still walked into it. That doesn't change my opinion, Gary. Same with you. Um, we do still have something on the bench. Is, is Rico still playing? Is it? Yeah, he's still in the yeah, team. He's so still plays, yeah. I, I actually, um, as I said, I, I picked Bournemouth as a clean sheet, so I wouldn't be averse to having Rico in the starting lineup, I, I expect Williams will get dropped next week for Tottenham. But but yeah, if we have Rico, we've got eleven. I think. All right, transfer made. And then Jamie Vardy, captain. I think Vardy has captain. to be okay. I assume we'll, we'll have Abraham 
on and then a sub will come in for him if he doesn't play, right? Yep. And so that would be Rico? Oh, uh, yeah. I think... uh, yeah, you probably want Williams as the the third one. You never know with Green, Greenwood or the second. Those two, my new players, have to be second and third, I think. So... Yeah, I mean, Greenwood yeah. might come on and score at the end in a 3-2 loss or something. <laughs> that would be classic, man, you. Um, but yeah, okay, so, so that means that our team looks as follows. We have Gaeta in goal, um, back three of Trent, Siyuncu and Lundstrom, the midfield of Traore, Tiedemans, Sterling, Mane and De Bruyne, and then Abraham and Vardy up front. Yep, that looks good. Vardy captain and Mane vice captain. Yeah, yeah, sounds good to me. Okay, good. That's our team then. Um, which brings us finally onto the last section of today's pod, the gut punts. Gary, take us away. Okay, so well, we had um, again. Sorry to keep parking back to the the phantom pod, but we for once we actually had some really good gut punts uh, last week. Um, I think Ben did tweet them out. So if you do follow us on Twitter, you you got uh, a bit of an insight. But Andy picked out Deli Alley who's obviously scored twice and got 15 points. Uh, and I selected Danny Ings, who came in with nine. Um, the others, not quite so good. Mora only one point. Tarkowski only one point for Duncan. And Matt is continuing his terrible run uh, with William uh, just getting one point. Uh, it also means that we did our experiment of having a, a monthly punt for November. And that, that kind of experiment has finally come to an end. Um, I'd say that the the monthly punts weren't much of a success this month. We really need to kind of up our game. I guess, I guess the idea with this, we put a limit of um, about six million on these players, so that you had to go for someone who was a bit of a bargain basement or, or less than four point five if they're a defender. And the best one picked was Iosi Perez by Duncan, uh, who got fourteen points over the four fixtures. Um, I had Dwight McNeil, who got 11 points over the four fixtures. Um, ben, you had Connolly, who picked up a bit of a niggle, so he only got five points. Andy went with Hudson Adoy, who was very consistent. Uh, one, one, zero, and one. Uh, <laughs> and and Matt, uh, Matt was a bit unfortunate. We kind of mocked him a bit for Scott McTominay, but McTominay picked up an assist. He had seven from the first two games, but then he got injured. Uh, so McTominay fell away as well. Um, so I guess only Duncan really did did much out of that. Um, so yeah, it's on to uh, on to this this uh, this game week. So we're picking a gut punt and we're picking a monthly punt uh, for this week for December. And December's a bonus month because we've got six fixtures. Um, so yeah, maybe. Uh, Andy, do you want to start with yours? I guess we've covered uh, we've covered him already, but you, you you're thinking Martin Kelly for December. Yeah, Martin Kelly, my uh, my monthly pump. I think those fixtures are pretty tasty for Palace, and his competition for right back is Joel Ward, who has the the most serious of the defensive injuries there. So I think he's pretty pretty solid to to keep playing. Um, so Martin Kelly, I'm actually going to switch my uh, my weekly punt at the last minute, and I've talked myself into picking Trossard. Trossard, oh, okay. So, um, uh, okay. I think uh, he's going to be my uh, my weekly punt this week. I think he's he's likely to play, and uh, he's you know he's playing against a a fairly um, welcoming team. So okay, uh, and Ben, 
your you've turned to Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I've. So my weekly pawn is um, Gabriel Jesus. I think he's he's still under five percent for Man City. He had a bit of a shocker against um, Newcastle, but I, I assume he will keep playing. Um, so um, I think he'll. You know, he has a decent chance at Burnley. I think my monthly punt was uh, Lise Mousset, so 5.1 million, so under under the 6 million, um, 4% owned, two goals in two. And for December, Sheffield United, I think we've talked about, have this this sea of green. So he's. I'm feeling good about him being my monthly gut punt. Okay. So we'll see. We'll see how these turn out. Um, yeah, can Jesus do it on a wet Tuesday night at Turf Moor? That's the that's the question. Um, so for me, uh, I'm going to go for James Ward-Prowse for my monthly pick for December. As I, as I kind of mentioned before, I think Southampton um, have got I think are a bit better than they've shown this season, and they've got some quite nice fixtures coming up, which is why I've I've put Danny Ings in my team. Um, and Ward Prowse, he's sweet. He strikes such a lovely free kick. He got another one against Watford. Uh, so any corners, free kicks. He, I think he's on penalties as well. Um, for my weekly punt, I'm going with Aaron Ramsdale from Bournemouth. Um, I think this kind of came up in conversation with us that we'd we'd never go for a goalkeeper for our gut punt. Um, so I wanted to book that trend. Uh, and as I mentioned, I fancy. I fancy Bournemouth to keep a clean sheet against Palace. Um, so he's 4.7 with 4.3% ownership. So watch out for Ramsdale. Um, as far as Matt goes, he's going back to, for December, he's going for Todd Cantwell as his monthly pick. Uh, back, back in form, Todd Cantwell. You may remember him from, the, from August, uh, where he's back and scoring goals. And for his weekly pick, he's also going Southampton. He's going for Musa Ginepo, um, who's who's kind of a dangerous uh, dangerous player on occasions. And then to round things off, I don't know, guys, if you saw the message from Duncan. I, I think he mentioned James Tompkins, but I wasn't sure if that was his monthly pick or his weekly pick. I think we should. Uh, it's, I it's, think it's that's both. Like his kick to me. I don't know about you. Guys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I think it was for both, Gary. Like he wants him for his weekly and monthly. That's how ah, I right. interpreted it. Yeah, yeah, and he he picks up quite an interesting fact on Tompkins because it's showing that he has zero point zero percent ownership. So he really is a maverick choice. I think Tompkins. Like you could literally get ahead of everyone on the game with a bold. Tompkins captaincy for um, for the Bournemouth match, <laughs> uh, and I was I was thinking like how can he have zero point zero percent? Because I mean, you've got Leon Clark for Sheffield United, who's literally the worst centre forward I've ever seen play for Wednesday. Um, he's only played thirteen minutes all season. He's thirty four, uh, and he's got not point one percent ownership. There are still some Leon Clark fans out there, but no no one rates Tompkins. So. What's even well, more remarkable is that his price is 5.0 million. It's the same price he started the season with. Presumably, nobody has picked him all season. Yeah, he's just a mystery. He's kind of flying so low under the radar that, uh, oh, in fact, yeah, oh, what does it say? There's something here, SB. Does that mean it's saying 3,000 people? Or are these, I'm not, oh, net transfers, yeah. Okay, well, yeah, he's, he's hovering. 
Actually, 461 people brought him in last week. So maybe he'll tick over to 0.1% soon. Um, so, yeah, good luck to you, James Tompkins. And I think that brings it to a close for the gut punts. Oh, just to say that, yeah, I'm still top, thanks to um, that Danny Ings. But, but Andy has shot up into second place with his inspired Deli Alley pick. So we'll see how it goes in December. All right, good. Thank you very much, Gary, which concludes the pod for this week. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, and, of course, thank you, Ben, for contributing. Welcome. I'll, I'll leave you with a fun fact. Um, Romelu Lukaku is still um, has more ownership than James Tompkins, and people still bring him in. Um, I think he's showing good form with Inter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you, Gary. Well, uh, thanks. Thanks very much. Uh, all the best for everyone. And uh, yeah, let's keep... Ings can only get better. Danny Ings can keep up his run for me. <laughs> very good. And uh, thank you from me as well, everybody. I wish you a good week. Thank you.